Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, second hour is here, OutKick 360, Monday edition, 6th and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, recapping uh, another solid NFL weekend full of storylines, uh, the one from this morning. Matt Rule, he's done in Carolina. David Tepper holding a press conference uh, with the Panthers and national media members who are in town. Uh, says that uh, he met with Matt Rule this morning, and the quote was, it was short, cordial, he's a gentleman, a true gentleman. That from uh, David Tepper, who has named Steve Wilkes the interim head coach. Um, their defensive coordinator is also out in Carolina. Uh, my guess is... He, he's leaving with the head coach for a reason. I mean, I, I don't know why you wouldn't stick around and, you know, not get paid. I'm guessing the, the offset language is not the same for a DC as it would be for Matt Rule and his $48 million that's still owed his way. Um, nonetheless, changes coming in Carolina, both at head coach and at quarterback. Baker Mayfield, high ankle sprain. That means P.J. Walker's your starter this upcoming weekend. Uh, for the Panthers as I believe they're on the road to face the Rams. That's where we can start with one of the headlines, Dallas over L.A. We will uh, discuss what the Cowboys uh, have been doing with their 4-1 and start. Giants over Packers yesterday, 4-1 and start for New York. And uh, our biggest takeaway from the NFL weekend, guys, uh, for me, it is the, the coaches that have a lot of doubters the coaches and the staffs, for that matter, who have been under fire, uh, produced great results this weekend. Uh, Starting with Mike McCarthy in Dallas, not just this weekend, but overall, what they've done. He's got the run game going in Dallas. Their defense is phenomenal. Dak's coming back, and make no mistake, Dak deserves to play immediately based on what we saw from Cooper Rush, but they're winning games. 16 pass attempts from Cooper Rush on the road against the Los Angeles Rams defense, and they won that game easily late based on their defensive pressure of Matthew Stafford. Robert Sala with the Jets. Outstanding performance against a coach he knows very well from his days in San Francisco, Mike McDaniel, and the storyline with Bridgewater going out. The run game for the Dolphins was working. This was a 19-17 game that quickly became 40-17 in the fourth quarter because of the adjustments made by Robert Sala's defense for the Jets against the run game and the former run game coordinator in, in San Francisco, Mike McDaniel. And, and finally, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and the job that they did yesterday with uh, a, a Detroit defense that's not good, but a third-string quarterback making his first career start, Bailey Zappi, and tailoring an offense to fit his style. More of the spread offensive system, which Zappi's known for even, not even Western Kentucky, Houston Baptist prior to that in high school. And they were running more of a pro-style system, of course, with Mac Jones. They adapted to Zappi over the week, 
and again got the run game going. Defense was really strong, and I, I give credit where credit's due. Matt Patricia and Joe Judds, I thought, did a really nice job gaming up Detroit. Well, that leads into well my, my biggest point of the week, which is the death of the Lions. This was the preseason media darling, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Uh, I thought this was a team that was going to be capable of more this year, and they haven't done anything so far this season. But to lose 29 to nothing to Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi was not off the charts great, but he was efficient. 17 for 21, 188, one touchdown, one interception. But even with the losing with the Lions, you could point to, man, Jared Goff is playing really well. He's playing great quarterback for that Lions team. Not so much yesterday. 19 for 35 with an interception and no touchdowns. It's not just losing to a third-string quarterback in New England. It's getting shut out. It's being a huge disappointment so far. It's having the week before where you could at least point to the offense and say, well, one side of the ball is overachieving, but Aaron Glenn's defense isn't good. Nothing was good yesterday for the Lions. Nothing. They got beat 29-0. Their defense was pathetic against a third-string quarterback. Their offense didn't score a single point. Um, Lions are dead, guys, and I, I didn't think I'd be saying that at this point in the season, which sounds crazy given the history of that franchise, but they got more talent than what they're delivering right now, and Dan Campbell's just not getting it done. I was annoyed. As much as I like him. I had this uh, on my list. I was annoyed by the degree of hype Detroit got because uh, while they were playing offense, they weren't playing any defense, and here the number one scoring offense goes up against the 22nd scoring defense, gets shut out, just shut out. And, I mean, they they uh, they didn't do anything. I mean, it, it was incredibly disappointing. I had it in front of me, and then I, I turned it off for something else. But the, the way their drives ended yesterday, uh, they kept going for it, you know, because they were in trouble, and they ended uh Well, going you know, for it, not before they were downs, in Downs, 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 downs. They, they, they yeah, were they, not converting. They were 0 for 6 on fourth down. Yeah. Um, and I, I said a couple weeks ago with Armando, I, I think the Giants have some legit talent. Now – uh, they were out, you know, they didn't have DJ Chark. They didn't have DeAndre Swift. Um, other guys are banged up. But I think they have some legit reasons to point to them and say they're on the upward swing in Detroit based on the young nucleus and the talent they have at key positions. Uh, that's not on defense. And it's an offense that was averaging 35 points a game on average. They also allow 35 points per game. Point being, I thought, after the first couple of games, we're going to find out if Dan Campbell's legit. And he went to a podium yesterday in Foxborough and said that they this was the rock-bottom moment since he's been there. It was yesterday. On the road in New England for an offense that had Bailey Zappi leading the charge because the backup's in concussion protocol. And 22 games in is too late for rock-bottom moment in today's NFL. In, yeah. your, in your coach, ask Matt Rule about the time frame that they're a little more patient in Detroit. I'm going to go kind of along the lines of you. Hey, real quick on the lines yeah. before we get to yours, Paul. I had this discussion with, um, uh, with Dan Dockich earlier today on Don't At Me, and I'm curious to get your, you guys' opinion on this. I feel like, and Matt Rule is a good example of this, but sometimes for a coach that's trying to change a culture somewhere or get buy-in, whether it be NFL or college, it's almost easier to get the buy-in if the, if the buy-in's not immediate. If you have to prove it a little bit and then a team sees some success maybe midway through season one, 
late in season one, then they all jump on board. I think it's harder to reel it back in if there's immediate buy-in with no results. And I don't know if that's the case with Dan Campbell or not. It felt like there's buy-in with that group, but how much tougher it is to get the buy-in back after you've been granted the buy-in and then you fail repeatedly. So then those who were on board start looking around thinking, man, I don't know if this is working out. Instead of just having tough times early and then you get a glimmer of hope and then you start to add to that with a, with a coach and with a culture. I'm going with immediate buy-in and immediate results because I think Brian Dayball, who didn't come in with sound and fury like Dan Campbell, came in relatively quiet. Giants fans reasonably have no expectation after a run of coaches who hadn't done anything is getting it done. They're four and one. They came back from 17-3 down in London against the Packers, who I think clearly have better talent. And Dayball's finding ways to win games. And I don't mean to invoke the Titans as a Nashville-based show and as somebody who covers the Titans, but in reading about what he's doing, it sounds Mike Vrabel-esque. Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney have big names there in the wide receiver pecking order, but he hasn't played them as much as people expect because they haven't done necessarily what he's expected. And he's had to plug some guys in that nobody's ever heard of, and they've won with these guys. And the players are saying, this isn't the way that we expected to win. This isn't the way that things work, but they're getting it done. And that's what Vrabel, you know, won a coach of the year last year doing it that way. And the Titans have a, a habit of kind of overachieving above uh, replacement level talent. The Giants are doing some of that. They have a quarterback who's, who's banged up and Daniel Jones ran it 10 times. They've gotten the ball back to Saquon Barkley, who's their best guy. And they're four and one in a division where all of us said it was going to be Cowboys Eagles. They're one of the five best teams by record in the NFL. I think this guy, the story of the Giants is this guy can coach because he's got largely the same roster that Joe Judge had last year. And Joe Judge, you know, give him credit like you did, Hutton. They did a really nice job yesterday, but he's back to being an assistant yeah. for, for one of the all-time greats. He couldn't cut it. Uh, you know, Bob McAdoo couldn't cut it. We've got a list of people who couldn't cut it in New York right now. They're very excited in New York about the Yankees being in the playoffs and about the Giants being four and one. So uh, Barkley, he, he, he got has, ding. Uh, yeah, but he came back and then scored the go-ahead touchdown. I mean, yeah. he's uh, he, seventy yards. Yeah, they solid day. They led twenty-seven uh, twenty with just over six minutes of play. Got ding, came back and finished off the game. And here's here's the thing: it's his consistency. He has five hundred thirty-three rushing yards right now through Week Five. Last year, he had 593 yards all season. He is back to being the top-tier caliber player where they drafted him number two overall, and no one's ridiculing his play or his impact to the offense right now. Uh, Daniel Jones helped engineer a 15-play, 91-yard drive um, that, that helped steer the game back in New York's favor yesterday. And uh, at this time last week, we weren't sure if he was going to play based on uh, his injury. So uh, they, they've got a lot of, uh, of things going for them with the Giants leading tw 20 to 10 uh, at halftime. And they, you know, Rodgers did his thing where they're... The Packers lead. Um, 
Um, I had the Giants. Uh, Graham Gano's second field goal uh, was. I've got the game going into halftime with the Giants ahead twenty to ten. Oh, I may. Yeah. So I, again, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but it was early for me. Um, but the, the 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 point being, they they came to play. I, there's no way I was picking that game in my upsets last weekend. And there's a day ball effect. Keep in mind. Yeah, it was 2010 Packers okay. going into the third quarter. And then the Giants did all the scoring from there. Gano uh, with a field goal. Brightwell with a two-yard touchdown run. Barkley with a two-yard touchdown run. Yeah, and it was Brightwell's run. touchdown after that 15-play drive. They just controlled the clock and played their style. 15 for 91 yards, and, eight minutes. And the, the other key with them, keep in mind in the offseason, and not the, the, in the preseason, they had 20 to 25 players out of their 80-man roster at the time for practice. And I came in and said, this has been oh, the worst yeah. offseason that I've yeah, seen. Yeah, that's right. Because it's the injuries. It wasn't what they've done. They had zero cap space to truly address the offensive line. Evan Neal has not been great. I mean, he's working through a rookie season at the tackle position. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau just came back to start playing recently. And uh, on top of that, they've... You know, they had their head coach saying that they weren't in shape two weeks into camp. They've got to get better conditioning. Uh, so this whole thing of, um, you know, injuries playing a factor. At Mike Vrabel and Brian Dayball last year and now to start this year have left all the excuses at the door for any of this BS Find a way. that organizations are going to throw out there to their fans about why they're struggling five, six weeks into and the And fans of those teams, quite frankly, should be pointing to those two coaches and saying, hey, do what they're doing. Go find guys off the street, plug yeah. them up, plug them in, get them ready in a week, and win with them. And, and a sideways shout-out here to the Bills, because usually if you lose a coach who goes and does as well as Dayball is doing right now, you feel it. And Ken Dorsey has plugged in for the Bills, yeah, and no Allen problem. yesterday is throwing for – 450 yards, and the Bills haven't skipped a beat, having replaced that coordinator very effectively. So if the best story in the early going is the Giants and Dayball and what they've been able to do, is the worst story, most surprising on the other end, the Rams so far? They're terrible. I mean, I it would have been Houston story. if they had lost to Jacksonville. Well, I'm saying that just based on expectation. one team overachieving, another team underachieving so far. I'm trying to think of who you put They're on the a candidate list. candidate based on expectations. And Cincinnati's Colts, two and three also. I mean, the Colts are two, two, and one, but if you look at them play, I, I think the Broncos are a candidate at two yeah. and three based just, on what they look like. I know that a lot of people in media love the Colts. I, I just, I put Joe we, Burrow in Cincinnati yeah. and Matt Stafford in yeah, the Rams, fair. a totally different league than expectations for the Colts and Matt Ryan. Yeah. Personally. So I don't, I don't look at them as a huge disappointment because I never thought much of them to begin I with. I think the Rams are a fair, uh, a fair conversation. And if they are, I think Cincinnati is too. I still think Cincinnati's going to be okay. But, I, I mean, I think it's a fair discussion about where they are right now. Coming up, we'll go through the big headlines from yesterday. We'll, we'll start with the Jets uh, and the way that they waylaid Miami in that fourth quarter, 1917, turned into 40 to 17 and Teddy Bridgewater in concussion protocol uh, as they go to their third string quarterback uh, in this game, Skylar Thompson. And uh, then we'll, we'll look ahead a bit uh, across the other storylines to what it means now moving into week six or yeah, week six as we'll look at the injuries and how it will affect the upcoming matchups. 
All of that and more over the next couple of hours here on Now Kick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Oh, Kick 360 rolls on. The Bills took care of business against an inferior team. Uh, with uh, Pittsburgh yesterday. And so they open up. It's third down and eight yards. Josh Allen drops back deep at his own end zone, throws a 98-yard touchdown pass, and it was really like 105 yards uh, to Gabriel Davis. And then Pittsburgh fumbled the ensuing kickoff. And the Steelers on the field goal attempt, block the field goal. And you're thinking, man, this, and I'm flipping around at that point, going back and forth to the Titans game. I'm thinking, man, this, this is going to be a good game because it's action early. And then by the time you look up. Joke's on you. By the time you look up, it, uh, Allen's got four touchdown passes. He's passed for 330 yards at halftime. Um, they crushed them. 38-3 was the final because they went straight vanilla in the second half. But that is, uh, I, you know, guys, I, I, stand on the soapbox every year and say, good teams take care of bad teams in September and October. And that was that. It's Buffalo, just that Pittsburgh is never one of those Buffalo teams. Buffalo does that. <laughs> you know, Pittsburgh's not one of those teams. Here's the thing. That 14-and-a-half-point spread was the biggest against the Steelers in history, the first 14-point spread against them. It was too low, way too yeah. low. Here's the other thing. Minka Fitzpatrick, who's excellent, we all agree, he had joint possession with Gabriel Davis on Gabriel Davis's second touchdown, and he really had two-thirds possession for a good segment. And then Gabriel Davis somehow took the ball away from him. I was really surprised by this play because Minka Fitzpatrick's a strong dude, a strong great sa- player, a strong safety, if you will. Yeah. And I don't know how Gabriel Davis came out of that with the ball. I almost thought Minka Fitzpatrick had it long enough for it to be called in the end zone. For it to be called a, a, an interception, and Gabriel Davis came out of it with the ball. Well, well any uh, any possession is considered possession by the receiver. Yeah, joint one joint third possession, possession yeah. is possession for the receiver. Yeah, and how good of a day was it for Buffalo? Uh, Case Keenum had five uh, passes in the game. <laughs> it's the backup yeah. in mop up duty. I thought Kenny Pickett looked pretty good. 
Even in a 38 to 3 loss. I mean, physically looked look. apart. He was 34 for 52 for 327 in an interception, but uh, watching a good bit of that game, I, I thought he doesn't look bad even though the score is not going to reflect it. Buffalo is uh just badass. And the thing about uh, Pittsburgh can't run the football. Harris had 44, he's averaging 44 yards per game through the first five games, and they have one rushing touchdown on the season, and it's won by Harris. Their offensive line has never really fully recovered since Mike Munchak left there to go to Denver, Yeah, where Nathaniel Hackett foolishly didn't hire him uh, if he was wanted to be hired. But that's the thing about Pittsburgh. If you're going to have a rookie quarterback or a, a Mitch Trubisky type, you've got to get back to who you are which is a run-the-football, defend-the-run team, and they're not really either. And then when there were a report about Watt, uh, I think Watt's not going to be back as soon as they they're, thought. Well, they're 0-8-1 without him now. Yeah. All and time. I, I think I saw something about uh, something they, taking longer. Well, they had – Oh, he's uh, got a knee on top of his pet. He had a knee surgery or yeah, a cleanup like, on top of what, whatever time he was going to be out yeah. with his, his pectoral but injury. But this sounded like another one of those things like – and we obviously don't know the details because the NFL doesn't share any injury details. But this sounded like when I read it, Hut, I said, like, why wouldn't he have had this knee surgery the moment he knew he was out with the pack so that the knee would be in the clear as fast as humanly possible? And it sounded like he had the knee surgery a little bit later than that, where the knee will figure in his recovery time with the pack. I don't know. Um the, uh, the other thing, just to note here, there is a report from the ABC affiliate in Buffalo that the Bills have contacted the Panthers to get talks going for a trade for Christian McCaffrey. That's a legit report. Um, oh, dear and and uh, it's, it's from a guy who covers uh, Buffalo um, on, a, on a daily basis. So get ready. Can you imagine? Uh, F them picks. <laughs> W-H-A-M. That's the Bills. That's what they're going with right now. I don't think now. he costs as much as we might. Th- well, but no, they did re-sign him. It's the him. same mentality. I, I was thinking Go his contract was right ticking now. out, but they, they re-signed him to a longer-term deal. I, I'll see how long his contract runs. David Tepper, when asked today about trading veterans, quote, I think that we have to figure out how to get a culture of winning here, which we haven't had in a long time in this place. I don't think it ever had a real culture of winning. Well, that that was his tanking. answer about trading talent. So, uh, trading vets. And last year at the trade deadline, the, the talk was if McCaffrey was going to come back later in November and December last year, that he could have been on the trade block then. And keep in mind, it was then that the Texans were rumored to be on the, in the trade rumor mill for him. McCaffrey has signed through 2025. There's a potential out after 2023, but he carries uh, cap hits... He, he goes up. This year, he's 8.7 or 8.8. Next year, 19.5, 19.5 in 2024, 15.4 in 2025. Those are awfully big tabs for an injury-prone running back. It's certainly a go-for-it move. I can't believe the the Bills have nineteen five sitting there waiting. For uh, the, unless the Panthers are going to pay part. Yeah, of it. this is where the salary yeah, cap is just all just magic. Redoing like. his deal, you can manipulate you can it extend, however you need you to. You can extend him. Or the Panthers let want me, the pick, so they're going to pay. Let him me also leave. let me translate what David Tepper is saying. Even our good players are losers because they've lost a lot here. So we're open to trading anyone. 
uh, because this is a losing team. And Christian McCaffrey is one of those losers. So, yes, we will trade him if needed. DJ Moore is the other one that's being rumored to be traded from Carolina. Boy, do I know a team that could use DJ Moore. Uh, several of them. But locally, uh, the receiving options are so bad on the Tennessee I also know Titans. a team that doesn't pay wide receivers. Yeah. And DJ Moore just got paid. They called up uh, Des Fitzpatrick this week to target him zero times. Um, the Jets. <clears throat> but we'll get to the Dolphins in a minute because it, the storyline is with Bridgewater and the, the concussion protocol. Um, but this is a, a Jets team that all of a sudden, um, they've got some life. If you're buying into this whole theory that the Titans are back after a three-game win streak, you need to start looking at the Jets that have now won three of their last four, and they also have the same record. Well, they're also and they're taking advantage of a Dolphins team. That's it, right there. That uh, has now dropped down a peg in the the pecking order of the division. Beneficiaries of Tua's concussion problems and and Bridgewater's. I didn't see the Bridgewater thing. Was there anything to see? Well, he got hit. He got hit by Sauce Gardner in the end zone. Yeah, on the safety. But did you see him wobble or anything? And they um, just took him off. And I thought. It was all I, I thought initially he was like referencing his rib cage because he got hit in his ribs. Yeah, he was Gardner. kind of just slow to get up. I don't know that it was wobbly per se. It wasn't like Tua right. when he it got knocked off like the that. turf. It wasn't that egregious. But he was flagged from up top. Look, yeah. it's clear they're being super careful. They're being super careful with that. They're being super careful with the ridiculous call by everybody's favorite referee, Boger, yeah. against uh, Brady, Brady Jarrett um, uh, with the sack against Brady where he didn't really land on him and he didn't really sling him. I mean, that's no. a pretty basic sack Weak. that really – Killed Atlanta's chances to win a game that would have determined the division leader there. Um, so we're seeing careful, careful football right now. Um, well, but, yes, but we're seeing two different things. That call by Jerome Boger is egregious to the nth degree. That has nothing to do with concussion protocol. No. That's awful. That's not football. Period. The, the Bridgewater thing is flagged from an independent neurologist up top. This is Jerome Boger calling um, unnecessary roughness for a quarterback that just got up and brushed it off after a routine tackle that was gentle. This was gentle by Grady Jarrett. That was BS. Pure BS. And it caught, it, it, you could argue there are other things that cost the Falcons the game there. But that call has nothing to do with the health and safety of concussions across the league. Nothing. That's and, and for the for Boger to get in, in front of um, in front of the media or whoever pool, went down to speak report. to him, and for him to give his reasoning behind why he called it, where there was some unnecessary force. Or, Whatever. Like that, Unnecessarily that's, slinging him to the ground, I think is what he said. Yeah, that, that has nothing to do with concussion protocol. Did you see where the Falcons changed the backdrop of their Twitter account and social media to just a still photo of Grady Jarrett barely placing Tom Brady oh, on laid the him down. Was their team account? Laid back, him down. Back to Jets and, and Dolphins. They, they should bonus him. The NFL should bonus Grady Jarrett for... Following concussion right. protocol yeah. and, and not, not landing, not yeah, landing the, on him. The NFL being overly careful would be... Not flagging that play, which was a terrible call by Jerome Bozier, and instead seeing something with Brady after the fact that, oh, we're going to take him out because you know something happened there. But that was a terrible call. 
I think with Jets and Dolphins, this is a classic ebb and flow NFL thing, right? I mean, the Dolphins were shot out of a cannon while the Jets quarterback was hurt, and they started slowly. Now they've kind of swapped swapped places in terms of trajectories. Yeah, um, We'll see when Tua's back. I, I have faith in what the Dolphins were doing, and I liked it. But like you said, it's hard, you can't discount what the Jets are doing right now. Um, and it it's a two, you know, both of those teams look like playoff caliber teams right now. Let, let's go back to... Uh, based on full body work. Let's go back to the big story with yep. Teddy Bridgewater and Tua and the relationship with all of this. I am not being a conspiracy theorist when I, when I say this on this, these two stories, but it is just very coincidental and interesting that the team, at least the team's quarterback that in the game that any concussion protocol was most egregiously played out, whether the protocol was played out perfectly and a doctor made a mistake or whatever happened. The Bills. That everyone watching Dolphins on television, Bills. notable NFL reporters that we all know and trust were reporting immediately, he's not coming back because of this concussion. That was pretty clearly a concussion on the field. Well, the team tweeted it. Right. The team tweeted he was team being evaluated reporters, for a head injury. Everyone is saying that, and then he comes back because of back injury. But when that happened, it sparked this whole conversation about head injury, about protocol, about how we adjudicate these things in the NFL, that the first team penalized by this, and I'm talking about team penalized. I'm not saying that they made something up with Teddy Bridgewater, but it's just interesting how it all comes full circle. Yeah. That it's the guy who took over for the guy who should have come out of the game immediately and instead played in a Thursday night game and got knocked out of that game. He's the one that he gets flagged from up top. It's a more thorough process now, it looks like, with protocol, and that's the team that gets penalized First again. quarterback, I would say. There's one, at least one. Uh, a, there, there are a couple other players. I think one safety somewhere in the league that um, Well, there that, were 12 that players that missed this past week due to being flagged for a concussion protocol the Sunday after the Tua game on Thursday night football. That they're clearly being more cautious with. But, but the, the most notable qu- well, qu- quarterback is who we've got our eye well, on. This is, this is what's notable to me about the Bridgewater scenario and why I don't like where this is headed. Um, because as, as much as the, the league has to err on the side of caution, and I get it, um, they also told us that the tests administered by all doctors... Um, Bridgewater passed those tests immediately. But because he was flagged up top, coming off the field after that hit, he's done. So what's the rationale? What was the no-go? Just being flagged? Based on, no, based on, yes, yes. Based on the... That alone is a no-go? Uh, what's the term we were... Yeah, we discussed it last week. Mo- gross motor, motor instability. instability? Yes. So they saw gross motor instability. Well, one guy did, or woman did. And that because of that, it doesn't matter if you pass tests, right. you're done. But they're they're going ahead and telling us in the game that he passed tests administered by doctors, but due to the new adjustments to the protocol and based on what the spotter saw, he was ruled out immediately. See that does this leave. is going to affect more than just Miami. Yes. This could affect literally any one of your favorite teams moving forward for any of these quarterbacks moving forward. Well, here's where it gets really tricky, right? They see gross motor instability, but if they're not showing us a video of what they saw, 
and we don't see it. And it sounds I didn't see this game or highlights of it. But you guys are making it sound like there wasn't a video that in which you saw him I mean, wobble he, or no. Anything. He gets. I mean, he's in pain. I mean, you can tell because they were evaluating him for other things with this hit um, because he he uh, they got him for um, he didn't get the ball back to the line of scrimmage on a pass attempt and he was hit by Sauce Gardner about to be sacked in the end zone for a safety ends up being a safety because the ball didn't reach the line of scrimmage. Um, so it's a turnover. He's coming off the sideline and he's flagged. But you know, gross motor instability can be something on the sideline after he reaches the right. sideline. That it doesn't we're not necessarily see. have to be as he gets up in the end right. zone. See, that's where I think the huge problem's going to come is if he's pulled for gross motor instability that we fans don't see. Then there's going to be an uproar like, hey, he looked fine. He looked fine to us. That's why I also think maybe they shouldn't say exactly why they're pulling a guy. Oh, they absolutely should. They've got way too much on, on the line here to, to have some one person up top flagging someone and calling them out and the fans not to know what's on the up and up. Okay, they but absolutely what, have to give a us lot details. Of, there's a lot of, and I'm not, I'm not trying to play loosey-goosey here with someone's health after a concussion, not at all. Because there's obvious moments where, okay, that guy needs to leave the game. And Tua was one of them when that, when that all went right. down. But it's also very, very precarious to think about someone seeing someone that may stumble for a second pulling a starting quarterback out of a game when there's a lot of jobs on the line every week in the NFL. I mean, that, that ends the game for a team. If you see Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or any starting quarterback, you can stand up too quick and have gross motor instability from the bench. So if a neurologist sees that and sees someone stumble one time, maybe their ankle gave way. And it looks like they're there. Well, this is why there was. It looks the like loophole. they got hit in the head. Maybe something happened. Well, the, but, the, but, the, but the gross motor instability has to be because of the brain. Not anymore. No, it, it's specific in the language that we read last week. They will determine if it's due to the head versus uh, your legs broken and you can only walk on one leg. Like it. I mean, you're going to be ruled out in that case. But I mean, if you if you get up and you're hurting. Uh, the way the way Albert Breer uh, described this last week, and what I read directly from, it specifically mentions gross motor instability from the the uh, neurological aspect of. But see, that well, confuses I'm not, I'm not me because he passed because the test and what, then it still stayed out. What, what I heard because he's was been flagged now. The, now, now, if you exhibit it, you're done. You can't pass. You can't test out of it. Now. So that that is the neurologist saying, without performing a test, this gross motor instability on the sideline or wherever it happened is from the brain because of just what they saw. See, I thought gross motor instability, I, I, I'm just hashing this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought gross motor instability in the change became an absolute no-go, no questions asked, because I thought the loophole was for what, what they're calling a loophole in the previous language was so that a judgment could be made like you're talking about. Maybe he's got a hurt ankle. Maybe he stepped well, on a shoelace. Well, you could do that in the last <clears> one, but the other, the other loophole, quote-unquote, that they've closed is you could test out of this even if you had gross motor instability with the, the head injury. You could test out of it based on the protocol and how it was phrased and, on the sideline, in the tent, in the locker room. And my understanding is which they're is taking what, that away. Now. Which is what the Dolphins did, and which is what the NFL and the NFLPA agreed the Dolphins followed. And took away now. And the independent neurologist was removed. They removed it, yes. Turned it into a no-go. So now if you exhibit that from, from the do. head injury. Doesn't matter what you do test. You cannot test out, even though they're telling us that the player tests out. 
Like, see, they, that's what, what I'm saying? saying they shouldn't be able to say. They shouldn't. I think they raise an uproar where they say, well, the guy exhibited well, gross motor instability. We called him a no-go, but he tested out. That, what's, what's the benefit of that? If he exhibits a no-go, he's out. They should say he exhibited a no-go and he's out. I don't know why, why they're telling you details. Body tested out, so we're going to create conflict here by giving you a, a but that's, full picture of the story. It's, ant, it's anti-science to me to just say, okay, I'm going to say with the naked eye without having observed this person, but I saw them stumble. Mm-hmm. I believe this is gross motor instability caused by the brain. But then we're going to get doctors in front of the person, and they're going to determine it's not from the brain. But yet they still have to stay out because the new protocol says that you spotted it from up top and said that, even if there's further evidence that it's not from the brain. Well, it doesn't only have that to be... That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It doesn't only have to be spotted from the top. Somebody, the sideline person could spot right. it as well. But okay, but Somebody if, I, spots if I'm 40 yards away, that's you can say that and say, hey, come over here. We got to get this guy checked out. Or they could spot on the video. But then if everything checks out and the, and the guy's saying, no, it's from this or whatever, and you're looking at it and eyes look fine and everything's okay, they still have to stay out. Right? Based yes. on this new protocol? Yes, yes you're out. So that's that's what I'm saying. Like I don't, we're headed down, a, and, and I understand why they're doing it. I'm not against the idea of trying to protect players from themselves and seeing what we saw from Tua on the Thursday night game. But, but this this is going to lead us to more and more discussion, trying to determine if the player was concussed or not. Versus that player was concussed, and they just allowed him back in. Yeah, and when it happens to Rogers in a playoff game. <laughs> In the first quarter of a playoff game. Or will it? Like, that's my question. Yeah, well, is that If that hit happens to Brady and the NFC Championship game, there's going to be a Are flag on the defense. adjudicating it the same way. There's a flag on the defense on Grady. Probably Jerry. an ejection also if it happened to Brady. But it, it, it's also dependent on – I mean, it's a, it is a judgment from up top too. I, I said last week, I would not want to have this job. No, they've created a huge complicated scenario. It was a huge complicated scenario before. But the visuals of Tua against Buffalo yeah. enhanced it and further complicated it. And now, on a case by case basis, we're gonna we're gonna now have a Monday segment. Was he? Do we think he was concussed? Concussed or not? Yeah. <laughs> Our fastest growing segment. We haven't even started it yet. Concussed or blood sugar issue? That's yeah, gonna be the new segment. Or well, dizzy because he got up too fast in the heat. But all like, um, you know, there's also cases where guys are flagged up top. So here's my question with the protocol now. The independent neurologist is calling down to have a player checked. The only way you're calling down to have a player checked, uh, as I'm sitting there, you see something. So if you see it, is is it a no-go? The time it's going to be. No, because yesterday, Christian Fulton in the Titans game was flagged uh, for something they wanted to test him was it when he was down or yeah separate? yeah and, and um it he was very out. obvious they were checking him out and he's back in the game here's a here's another question for you you know for the for the longest time he got the wind knocked out of him was code for a concussion but there are times where a guy legitimately in football gets the wind knocked out of him of course so to what you're saying a guy getting up from getting the wind knocked so, out of him can look let me, let, like he's Chad, got gross motor instability. Let me briefly read this one paragraph. This is from Florio um, from last week. Under the protocol, a player who demonstrates gross motor instability must be evaluated for a concussion. 
He can, however, return to play if the team physician and unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant conclude that the gross motor instability did not have a neurological cause. And now the loophole is closed to where if you are deemed to have gross motor instability, uh, even if you test out, you are no longer allowed back in the game. So that's, that's what they're telling us. So to me, if you're calling down to have the guy checked, you're all but ending that guy's day. Now, here's, here's that, a That's question. how I view it. See, I, I see this as a now just taking all this in, I see it as an overreaction to one doctor medical staff probably doing a really bad job where this is not happening regularly across the NFL. We do not see this. How many times have we seen this Tua issue happen? Where everyone watching on TV is like, oh, the guy's concussed. Oh, here he's coming right back in the game because some neurologist claims it's a back issue. Yeah. Not that often. So now this seems like right. an overreaction Here's to that thing. one issue. Do you think bunches of players who are sitting around having lunch, position groups, you know, playing dominoes or whatever, are saying, don't get up too fast? Well, if settle, you do that, settle like, yourself down. Then they're still gonna. What's gonna stop sure them from saying you, they laid there too long? Yeah. Well, that's so not now gross not motor instability. But again, that, we're laying we're down relying. too long, though. Chad is not a no go. I would just, getting up and exhibiting gross well, motor would, instability is a no go. I would yeah. rather rely on multiple trained neurologists actually examining a player, a patient in this case, and determining whether or not sure. they've been concussed, as opposed to one person calling down or calling from the sideline and saying, that guy's out. But to get to that test, if you're a player, to get to that test, you first have to exhibit no gross motor instability. So you might stay down longer to quote-unquote clear your head but again, so that you can stand it, up and get to that it test. It doesn't matter if someone... We still have not seen the gross motor instability. That person saw it. That flagged Teddy Bridgewater. Right. But if I'm saying maybe, I'm not, I'm not advocating him right. getting back in that game because I army think he was concussed. The army crawled. I think he was concussed. But if you're, Stay down. if you have the kind of concussion that you can play through and that you want to play through if you're a player, which I'm not advocating by any means, or if you've got something else, the wind knocked out of you that you know, I got the wind knocked out of me here. I'm not going to look good getting up. It might look like a concussion, and I know it's not. I'm going to stay down longer now to get cleared up so that I there's no way anybody well, maybe, could think I've got a concussion based on my is, appearance. Maybe the key is just if, if trainers come out to evaluate you, you're not technically getting the call. Right. Right. So and you say, what do I do here? I'm a little wobbly, but I don't have a concussion. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know what you're right? we're, this We're in, though. Know, we're in the heart of the debate. This seems to be a case of they took something that was an issue in the one game. And made Tua, it an issue and in every they, case. they have possibly made it an issue multiple times over the course of a season. And we'll if see. it goes too far the other way, maybe we see another adjustment to it. But if we see another adjustment to it, some people will take it as soft on concussions and they can't be seen as soft on concussion. Yeah, but it, I mean, they've been following this protocol for years. I mean, it, they did not want to be soft on the Dolphins if they did anything wrong. No. Trust us on that. And both concluded that everything was followed word for word on the old protocol in that. And by the way, the NFL, Albert Breer said the NFL did not want to remove the independent neurologist in Miami. The NFLPA did. Coming up. Yeah, um, that, that scapegoaty to me. Coming up, we will uh, give you the other injuries from yesterday and how it affects your favorite team or fantasy team moving forward. And then headlines uh, across college football and the NFL on Outkick 360.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'll kick 360 with your injury notes coming off of week five. Ravens Marcus Williams, one of the defensive backs, uh, facing a tough challenge against Cincinnati's offense. Safety uh, had a wrist injury last night. He's uh, being evaluated today. Uh, mentioned earlier, Panthers dealing with an injury to Baker Mayfield. P.J. Walker expected to start as we will see Steve Wilkes as the interim head coach for the Panthers. James Conner left for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the often injured running back, injured yet again. Um, Joey Bosa, excuse me, Joey Bosa is already out for nine or yep. eight or Nick. nine more weeks. Now Nick with a groin injury um, could not finish. He missed all but two games in 2020, had 19 and a half sacks a year ago, already has six sacks this year, and he's out for their evaluation there. And Rashad Penny, done for the season in the backfield Most for Seattle. Ever. Fractured tibia, he's done, and that means Kenneth Walker the third. come on down. Tyreek Hill left in a walking boot. He was on the injury report late last week with a groin issue and had a foot problem yesterday in New York. Uh, McDaniel said he was also uh, managing a calf issue, I believe, from I convinced that. myself to draft Penny off of those five weeks, and I got exactly five weeks. Hey, congrats to the 49ers also. They were able to end Matt Rule's coaching career even without Nick Bosa in that game. So great job by them. Chris, I don't think Chris Olave also in concussion protocol. Emmanuel Mosley also for uh, the 49ers, former Vol, had a pick six in the game and then later tore his ACL and is now out for the season. Brutal. I feel like uh, injuries are starting to mount, and if it keeps going at this level, um, it's it's going to be beyond what we've always uh, seen lately. Always a war of attrition, you know. And sometimes you you get struck with that just as an organization. 49ers have been through that once with Nick Bosa, and now they want him to cash in. He was on on a great trajectory last year, and then to start this year. And we'll see how long he's going to be out. We will talk uh, big moments from the football weekend to lead off hour number three next on OutKick.